0: The desire to be used by God. And I'm talking about, you know, ministry or whatever. I I mean, it's a a worthy thing to have. I, I guess to know that, okay, I'm being used by God, probably nothing greater than that. But how do we know the difference between our own inclinations and our own desires, our own wants, our own ego or vanity how, how can you know the difference you know I think one of the most misunderstood words out there is the word minister as far as just the general concept of, of what is a minister in fact when you look at what Jesus said here let's take a look at Matthew 20 and verse 25 it sort of contrasts I want to contrast the world's view of the ministry to the biblical view of the ministry, toward the words of Jesus, what he said about ministry, what he said about serving, the desire to be used by God. Matthew 20 and verse 25, But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you. Now there's a concept. Man, I want to be great. <laughs> Notice what it says. Whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister. And going will explain that in a few minutes. Uh, and whosoever will be chief among you. Think about it. I mean, a chief. I want to be the chief. Top dog on the totem pole, whatever. Let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to minister unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ's ministry included his death, a sacrifice, something that we probably may not want to think about as we start thinking about our own personal ministry, but the word minister. It means to run errands, you know, errand boy, you know, go go get this for me. Go do this, go do that, whatever. It means uh, an attendant. You know, you used to have service station attendants. You know, they would fill your car up and wash your windshield, check your fluids, you know. (laughs) Uh, A waiter. Well, These are concepts that we're familiar with. You know, a waiter, attendant, uh, errand boy. And then the word servant basically means a slave. Get that, a slave. I mean, literally or figuratively, a bondman, a servant. When you compare that to what Jesus just said, to the world's concept of ministry, you might think about, okay, a million dollar income. You might think about people, a guy flying around in a jet aircraft and begging for money because he needs a jet aircraft to get to his next service or whatever. Uh, Fame, fortune, Adored by the masses. I mean, just look at the Pope. I mean look, look at the, 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 the respect and how the adoration and loved by all and appreciated. It. It's quite a different contrast. It's quite a different contrast, the world's view of a ministry compared to, like something that Jesus said. I'm not going to turn there, but I'll give you the reference. Matthew 24 and verse nine, says, "Then they shall deliver you up and be, to be afflicted and shall kill you." And you shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. Now you start making these comparisons. I mean, okay, I just said, okay, I'm going to be hated for the name, for my namesake, for Christ's name. As you look, I mean, was Billy Graham hated? I mean, take your pick of your favorite preacher out there. Would you say that they're hated? Well, I think most are not. Most are not. How much does this world's view of the ministry? confuse us to the real purpose of the ministry as laid out by Christ Jesus himself. Well, I think there's a great amount of confusion. We have in our mind that, okay, ministry, this is what it's all about. And you watch some of the television programming and you think you get these concepts about ministry and it's, it's grand and it's great and it's wonderful and it's something to be desired. And then you contrast that with things that Jesus said. Well, let's, let's, let's consider this verse. Luke 2 and verse 52. Luke 2 and verse 52. I'm going to try to make a point here. Luke 2 and verse 52. It's going to take a few minutes to make this point. <laughs> Luke 2 and verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now that's sort of the way I like it. I mean, I, I, I like this concept. I like this concept. Okay, I'm in favor with God. And I'm also in favor with man, all my friends and all my relatives and everybody. You know, we're in, we're, we're in good both ways here. Okay, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man until, until he began his ministry. When he began his ministry, in three and a half years, he was dead. Just think about that. Just think about that. Now, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not suggesting you do this. We know why Christ had to suffer. We know why Christ had to die. But, and I, I'm, I'm going to say something to try to get you to think. Not that you would have a goal to do this. <laughs> but if you had a goal, and you said... In the next three and a half years, I'm going to get myself killed. (laughs) The conditions are, you can't break God's law and you can't break man's law. Now, you could go out and do something stupid and get yourself killed, yes. But you cannot break God's law and you can't break man's law. How would you go about getting yourself killed? What would you have to do? Who would you have to offend? Who would you have to upset? What would you have to say? Who would have to hear you and say, I want that person dead? What would it take? What would it take? Not not that I want you to do that. (laughs) I'm just trying to get us to think. We're talking about concept of ministry versus, you know, Christ's ministry, what he said, versus the world's definition of a minister. Let me spell it out for you. Most ministry is about, I think, favor with man. That's how you get the results that I just talked about. Okay? That's how you get the million-dollar income. That's how you get the jet. That's how you get the fame, the fortune, the adoration, the masses of people coming to you, respected by all, love and appreciate it. That's how you get the mega church. Favor with man. That's how you get it. You can go out and start a church today and get that if you wanted to. If I wanted that, I'd quit worshiping on Saturday. <laughs> I'd quit keeping the Sabbath. First thing I'd do is start going to church on Sunday. Then I would preach, you know, there's nothing you must do. Grace plus nothing. Just believe. Just give your hand to the, just come down to the altar and give your heart to the Lord and you'll be saved. That's all you got to do. I would preach, you know, I'd preach, I'd preach totally different if I wanted to build a mega church. Totally different than I'm doing now. Now, obviously, somewhere we took a wrong turn when it comes to our concept of ministry. Again, when you consider the world's definition of a minister, I, 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 you know what I think about? I think about a nice guy he's nice. <laughs> I like it. His children are nice. His family is nice. His, his wife is nice. You know, he's nice. A people person. And of course, that bothers me right there, a people person, because I'm, I'm not that. And it bothers me that I'm not a people person. Maybe a, maybe a uh, people person, maybe a, I don't, maybe a people pleaser. <laughs> I don't know. Another thing we fail to realize is the condemnation that the word of God has toward the ministry. Take a look at it. Jeremiah 23 and verse 30. Jeremiah 23 and verse 30. You know, you say, okay, God is impressed with the ministry across our land. Is he? That's not what your Bible says. He says he's very displeased. Very displeased. And this is one of the reasons why. Jeremiah 23 and verse 30. He says, therefore... Behold, I am against the prophets. Fill in the word preacher. I'm against the preachers that dot your lamb, says the Lord. They steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Now, you know, it's, well, I don't understand that. What do you mean we steal God's word? Well, the way you do this is by not speaking God's word. You know, you, you go to church. You hear a short introduction, one scripture, and then the minister elaborates on that, and that's it. That's all the scripture you get until the next Sunday. One scripture that is elaborated on, and that's it. One of the ways you steal the words is by not speaking the words. You know, I, I do more quick, I put up more scriptures in a 30 minute program than you're going to get in a month of Sundays, you know, than, than you would get in a month of Sundays on one 30 minute program. So, you know, I am against the preachers, says the Lord, they st- who steal my word. And one of the ways you steal the word of God is by not speaking it, not, not talking about it, not quoting it. Again, the world's definition and the reality of Jesus' words about the ministry. You have the world's definition of ministry. You have Christ's example of his own ministry. He started his ministry three and a half years. He was killed. Uh, you shall be hated. Of all nations for my name's sake. Now, the desire to be used by God, there's nothing greater than that, to know that you're being used by God. But how can we know the difference in our own inclinations, desires, and wants, and egos, and vanity? You know, what's in control here? Well, I, I, wanna, I got eight, probably eight points here I want to go through. Number one is Psalms 39 and verse 5. I think this is a starting point for any type of to be used by God is to realize what is man. Psalms 39 and verse 5. Psalms 39 and verse 5. It says, Behold, you have made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. At best, I'm vanity, you know, emptiness. unsatisfactory i think with any ministry you start with the condition of man what we are and that is the condition of man is at his best state it's altogether vanity the very best vanity sort of where you start i think the world's definition of the ministry caters to the vanity of man in other words there's much to be desired money fame fortune praise adoration respect It it, it sort of caters to the vanity of man. You know, Jesus talked about a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. He talked about a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And you know, you can build, when it comes to serving God, you can build, and the truth of the matter is, the house, both houses where it's built on a sand or built on rock, takes the same amount of time. From the road, it doesn't look any different. They both look great. They're, They're both wonderful homes. You can spend a lot of time building a ministry upon sand. And, and, and here's the thing, the world may love you. The world may love you. I think one of the things that we need to look for when it comes to being used by God is, is, is this one point, two things, praise and criticism. Praise and criticism. If, if all you're getting is praise, what does that tell you? That's not, that's not a good thing. If all you're getting is praise, everybody loves you. That probably tells you you're not doing something right. <laughs> if all you're getting is criticism, well, that also tells you that, you know, if, if God is calling a person, they will like you. If God is opening a person's mind, they will, like, they will appreciate and respect your ministry. If God is, so you will get praise from those that God is calling. So I think it's a, it's a it's, it's, now, if you're not getting either one, you're not getting any praise or criticism, That's probably a dud ministry right there. That's what I would call it. Uh, You should be getting, you know, a little bit of both, I would say, or maybe a lot of both. Now, I think also that you have to rise above your critics, but I think also you have to rise above the praise of others. Just because someone's pats you on the back and says, boy, I really like that. That was a really great message. You have to take that at face value. It doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't mean a lot. You, know, you have to rise above the critics, you have to rise above the praise of others i 'm just saying that we need to be aware, aware of the vanity of our own human nature in in identifying okay, is this really of God, or is this my own inclination, my own desires my own th- my own thing i 'm wanting to do here all right, number two, to be used by God, your ministry must reach a dying world. I think this is important, and, and that is outside of the body of Christ that you 're a uh, the people you were trying to reach are outside these doors. You know, a lot of times you have people that just want to minister, and it's nothing wrong. That's one of the gifts, ministering to the body. I mean, that, that's one of the gifts. But I think it also we have to consider a world that, needs, that is dying, that is dying. I say that because of some statements that Jesus made. I'll give you the reference here. You don't have to turn to these. Mark 16, verse 15, and he said to them, Go ye into all the world and to preach the gospel, So we're told to go outside the doors of your church, go out and reach a dying world, a world that is dying in their sin. Go ye therefore. And then Jesus said in Luke 10 verse 2, he said, therefore I say unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So what's Jesus' concern? Laborers into the harvest. Laborers into the harvest. That's his concern. I sort of look at people in the church is 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 that you got it made. You you don't really need a lot of help. I mean, you you're already, you know, sure you need to be ministered to, but but the, the real problem is those outside of the church. Uh those outside of the church. And I think uh to get results and to bear fruit is important here. That that's the goal. To be used by God. You you want to get results and bear fruit. Third To be used by God, I think you are driven by a source greater than yourself. In other words, you can't quit. You know, you have to do it. I experienced that one time. I I was sort of feeling guilty about, in our business, you know, me and Ronnie, we're partners, and I I felt like, okay, I need to be more involved in in our work. And and so, and of course, I was doing outreach and all that stuff, and and that takes time. You know, that takes a lot of time. And so I said, I'm just going to quit it. I'm just going to stick to, to the, what I do for a living. And, you know, I was only you know, helping the guys and working out there. But the weirdest thing happened. I, inspiration came out. I mean, it's like I was getting all this inspiration for another program, you know. And I was in my notebook. I was writing down. I was eating lunch, and I, I filled up a whole notebook of ideas for outreach. And I thought, this is crazy. I can't get away from this. I mean, if you get to a point where you think, I've got, I can't just drop it. I've got to do this. So, again, to be used by God, you're driven by a greater source than yourself. Now, I believe that what can drive us is ego, but it takes time to validate a ministry. Over time, you're to get results and you are to bear fruit. That's what you tell over time. Okay, am I bearing fruit? Am I getting results? To be used by God, it's not about money not about money. First Peter 5 and verse 2. And I'm, I'm going to read this from the contemporary English version. I switched here. Usually I usually use the King James, but this is uh, just I like the way this said it more. Jesus as a shepherd watch over their uh, just, excuse me, <laughs> I can't read. Uh, just as a shepherd watch over the sheep, you must watch over everyone God has placed in your care. Do it willingly in order to please God. And not simply because you think you must. Uh, let it be something that you want to do it's strange at the feast this year Chris, Chris came up to me and said after the sermon he said are you enjoying what you're doing did you enjoy that and I never thought of it in the sense of am I, am I enjoy, did I enjoy giving that message and, but his point was a good one you know you should enjoy it if you're serving you should enjoy it to be honest with you I enjoy the outreach more than I do the, 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 the ministry part but I, I do enjoy the outreach very much but it's a good point. You should enjoy it, all right? Instead of something you're doing merely to make money. Now, here's the problem. You know, a lot of times we think, if I had more money, I could be, I could do more ministry. I could do more outreach. And so I will devise a way I can make money. And, you know, it reminds me of the story of Abraham and Sarah. You know, they said, you're going to have a child. God said, you're going to have a child. And they, they said, well, I've got to do it my way. Let's do it this way. And they sort of run ahead of God's will. The bottom line is this: If you need money, if you need more time for the ministry, God can provide that for you. You don't have to come up with your own way of doing that. But again, it's not not about money. Rebecca's boss was; she told me that her boss was sort of shocked when she told him that our ministry in our tradition is not paid. I mean, we we I I have a job, full-time job, and it's it's not, and he he couldn't believe that. And he thought about it, and he said, well, it's probably best. It's probably better to work it that way. You know, Paul was a tent maker. Occupational ministry, ministry, occupational ministry. It's not very effective, at least I don't think so, Uh, when you're just, you know, you you get paid to do that. But it would be nice. (laughs) Five, to be used by God. This is simple, the willingness to wait, patience. Uh, Acts 1 and verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. You know, that's tough to do. But I do want to say, that when you're waiting for God, all the time you are busy working. You're not just sitting there looking, staring at the wall. You're waiting for God. You're working, you're busy, you're working, you're doing. And you're waiting for God's blessing to come. And it will, if, if, if you stick with it. I might add, if you stick with it. To be used by God, I think, another point, is humility. Humility. And that's, um, I'll tell you a little story here. Something happened to me at the feast, and I'm not, I'm not using this as a to boast or anything. It was, uh, I was, someone told me I was humble and I didn't know it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I did, I, it, well, it was at the feast, and uh, they had the blessing of the little children. And Mike said he wanted the ministers to come up for the blessing of the little children children and I, I thought well I'm not a I'm not a CGI minister I mean I'm independent and I'll let them do that I'll let them you know because th- th- let them go well Mike came up to me later and he said David he said when I said ministry I, I meant you too and I said well I said y'all y'all, I, I thought CGI ministry and, and y'all would do that first I want y'all to do that and uh, he said uh, he said, I want to thank you for your humility he said don't ever lose that don't ever lose and I, th- I didn't even know it but I just thought you know, and then I started thinking, okay, how many people would have jumped at the opportunity? Yeah, I'm a minister. Let me get up there. You know, I don't know. But my problem, of course, Kelly told me a story about at his, his feast site that a guy came up to him and said, he didn't really know the guy and communicated on just a rare occasion. But he, the guy said, look, he said, uh, this is right before the feast. He said, look, I, I've got a message. If you need somebody to give a message, I can speak. Well, the scheduling of the feast is done four months in advance. You don't change those schedules once they're set. But it's just, you know, and I shared him with him my little story. <laughs> All right, to be used by God. The next seventh point is what I call the blindness of a servant's heart. The blindness of a servant's heart. Matthew 25 and verse 36 says this. Matthew 25 and verse 36. You know the story. The sheep and the goat. Then shall the righteous answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed thee, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and took you in, naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and came to visit you? And the king shall answer, "Said I say unto you, in that you have done it to the least of my brethren, you have done it to me what's always been fascinating about this little story is that they were not keeping a record they're sort of scratching their head saying they're unaware when did we do this It's, it's, it's 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 they didn't need the recognition uh they didn't tell the world i'm doing this because i'm a christian they just did it because it was the right thing to do i had someone at the feast this year tell me he said you know that those CDs you sent me on baptism counseling said I nearly, nearly wore those things out. I, I played them and played them until they quit working. And I thought, well, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I, that I did create a series on baptism counseling. And so, you know, you, you do one thing. When you're finished with it, you start on the next project. You know, it's, it's, about, it's about work. It's what it's really about. It's about work. And it's not about keeping records. It's not about recognition. All right. To be used by God, it's not really about you. Unless God is using us, everything we do is vain. I like to look at being used by God as an instrument. You know, I have a toolbox. I've got some nice tools in my toolbox. And, and as a mechanic, I'm not a mechanic, but I try to do that. Uh, I've got some experience, but those tools, as great as those tools are, are of no value until the master mechanic comes in there and picks it up and uses it. And I like to visualize us as a tool. And, you know, we're a tool in God's toolbox, But you are of no value until God picks it up and uses it. All right. Last one here was uh, witnessing and uh, speaking the truth uh, to people. Speaking the truth. I I think that was what Jesus' ministry was really about, speaking the truth. You know, it's hard to speak the truth to people. At least I think it is. Even in areas that you try to minister, like one time we were trying to help poor people and I would answer some of the calls and, and I would hear some of their sob stories and I thought if I told that person what I really thought was their big problem they'd come and kill me I mean, you know, I mean, I mean how, how do you tell a person uh, well your real issue is you know, I don't want to use some of these examples but I mean it was really I realized okay even in a ministry of trying to help people that if you tell them what you know is really going on, you're not going to be liked. You're going to be hated. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man until, until he began his ministry. Again, we know Christ had to die, but I just want to touch on a couple things that what caused Jesus' three, three and a half year service, what it was really about. Number one, uh, Jesus was perceived as a political threat he was perceived as a political threat now if you don't believe that look at look at john 11 and verse 47 let's let's turn to this john 11 and verse 47 then gathered the chief priests and the pharisees a council and said what do we do speaking of jesus for this man does many miracles that's john 11 and verse 47 if we let him alone all men will believe on him and the romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. That's purely political right there. If we don't do something, he's doing many miracles. We've got to do something about this man. Or they're gonna, the Romans are going to come away and take, take away our place. That was political. When evil is present, pure religion condemns it. Think of John, you know, John the Baptist. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You think about who he told that to, who, who he actually communicated. Communicated that to. That was powerful. You know, I sometimes think we are a little bit relaxed in this area. We we don't. You know, it, it's sort of like at the feast this year. On, on the schedule, I got a letter that said, you know, at the feast, don't don't be touching on any political issues. Said we've had people bring that up in the past at the feast. People got mad and left. He said the feast is not for those political issues. It's you know, and I agree. It's for the the meaning of the feast that. But, you know, I sometimes li- I listen to talk radio. I listen to, you know, Sean Hannity. I listen to Rush Limbaugh. And people will say, well, that's Republicans, you know. But listen, I'm not talking about Democrat and Republican. Repo- I'm talking about right versus wrong. You know, when you give Iran the ability to wipe you off the planet Earth and you fund the calls, that's not Democrat, that's not Republican. That's rank stupidity right there. And you need to call it what it is. But you don't see the... I think the church has been weighed in the balance and found wanting in this area. You know, if it offends and people walk away, they, they have to, I mean, let, them, let that happen. Yeah, just, because I, I hear voices out there that are not, re, well, I'm sure they are religious, but the church sort of remains silent over these issues. Where is the voice of the church in these areas? So Jesus, as we talk about, okay, what, what got him? You know, I asked a question earlier If you had a goal, and we don't, but if you had a goal of three and a half years, how would I get myself killed? Uh, Jesus was perceived as a political threat, number one. Number two, he was perceived as a threat to the religious establishment of his day. That's what really got him killed right there. He said things like, The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. (laughs) He's saying this to religious people, by the way. (laughs) Someone said that he couldn't have offended them more if he came up with a wet fish and slapped them across the face. I mean, it's just, that's powerful. Uh, Now, hear me. Today we have a religious establishment. Yeah, it does a lot of good. I mean, it's, 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 it's. And there's good things that Christians do. There's, I mean, they minister it in many, many ways. I'm not, but there is a religious establishment in the world today that has absolute confidence that they're right. We know we're heaven bound. Just believe. Just accept. Just just raise your hand. Invite Jesus into the, to your heart. You know. Uh, it consists of a lot of concepts and ideas that are not found in the Bible. And yet there's this absolute confidence that we know we're right. The challenging of that establishment, I guess it could get you killed, couldn't it? It could get you killed. Jesus was a threat to the religious establishment of his day. All right, yeah, someone did say, if you speak truth, leave, leave town quickly. Do we understand that when you speak truth, you get out of favor with man? You get out of favor with man and I think we've been trying to figure out how do we present the gospel without offense it's sort of like it's been an age old question how how can we present this gospel without any offense to anyone we've got to water it down we've got to mix it up so that it doesn't offend anyone I think we live our lives us in this room living the truth but not promoting the truth living it yeah that's good but not promoting it. Because promoting the truth puts us out of favor with man. Bottom line. Jesus was the greatest promoter of truth the world has ever seen. <clears throat> when Jesus began his ministry, truth trumped favor with man. Three and a half years. Now, some encouragement. The Bible says, the righteous are bold as a lion. Righteous, the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's Proverbs 28, verse 1. What does this sin-sick world need? What I think it needs is more people who will promote the truth.